Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Grass 10 manager John Marr joins Stuart Childs to discuss autumn grazing targets and gives advice to farmers on how they can adapt to the difficult grazing conditions following heavy rainfall in August. Okay, so good morning everyone and welcome back to the Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. Um, today I'm talking to John Maher. A couple of weeks ago we were talking to John's colleague Michal O'Leary and Donald Patton in uh, Belly Hayes and we were emphasising the importance of trying to hit the targets for autumn grazing and it's a bit of a case of Groundhog Day, John I suppose really in one sense. Um, Michal showed us figures uh, on that day a couple of weeks ago of how we were tending to be on target in mid-August and come the 1st of September we tend to be gone off target and tending to be below target generally more so than above target. So Michal ran a survey on Twitter the other day and of some, something in the range of 100 people that responded to it, 52% are actually behind target at the moment. Uh, and that's something that you're seeing uh, on your travels around the country doing the grass courses at the moment with huge variation. So we decided it was important to get to talk to you. And thanks very much because we were last minute asking you to do this. But it was important to talk about it today, I think, uh, before the horse is gone, basically. So I'll hand over to Jan just to give us a rundown on the situation in terms of grass and what we can do to rectify it in the short term. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Uh, you teased up nicely. We were going very well in the first half of August for the first time in many years. Um, we felt we were on target. But anyway, the last two weeks of August have brought their own challenge uh, in terms of weather. So on in many cases now, we haven't got enough grass and grass supply is kind of poor. Uh, and behind target, I'll come back to that in a few minutes, rainfall and ground conditions are a challenge in uh, many parts of the country, especially, especially along the western seaboard um, and especially on heavy land. And in some places, um, especially on heavy land, we have um, very heavy covers of grass that are difficult to um, uh, graze or even difficult to access with a, with a mower. At the same time then, like, you know, there are farms who have, got, have good grass supply that, uh, that has the opportunity then of, um, you know, lowering the feed costs, shorter the house, shorten the housing periods, uh, capitalise on milk price. So for that reason, we normally say that each day at grass is, or pasture is worth almost two euros uh, per animal per day. So it is worth pursuing, right? Um, we are a little bit behind. However, if the, if the next two weeks were to come favourable, we have a chance to catch up, which we need to pursue. But from the middle of September on, generally speaking, on average, and I stress on average, growth rate um, is exceeded by demand. What I'm basically saying there is that you generally eat more than you will grow. Now, it depends a bit on stocking rate too, but mid-September is kind of that time um, when things start changing in the wrong direction. So just to move on and do some figures here very quickly, um, if I was doing this last year, things would be reasonably uniform around the country. This time around, things are very, very different. There is huge variation out there in terms of grass supply, grass growth, ground conditions. Predicted growth this week is ranging from somewhere about um, you know 45 to 80. So um, you you have almost um, uh, double the variation in growth that we normally see, right? Um, some land is still very very wet. Um, some land on the eastern part is is, is reasonable and, and reasonably dry. There are some cows housed in parts of the country on the western seaboard, and some cows are out full time. Grass supply is very variable for those who have probably too much grass, but mostly um, we are behind and we have those who have too little grass. 
Um, it's funny that some dry farms are, are short of grass and some heavy farms have too much grass, can't graze it, uh, can't cut the surplus out due to poor um, traffic ability. So neither cows nor, nor machine can get at it. So even though the farm is in surplus grass, that's what you're dealing with. That's the variation to steer. That's what the weather has um, uh, landed us in, in, in the, as a result of the last two weeks. Um, so while it's fine for me to talk about this and give um, sort of, um, you know, uh, generic advice for the autumn, the variation in supply, the variation in ground conditions um, is going to make that generic advice very questionable. So it has to be much more targeted and every location and farm has to assess where they are themselves, right? And even within the farm gate, you'll have variation. So this week I stood on um, two or three farms in which 10 or 15% of the, of the platform is just not um, um, travelable, for want of a better word, or trafficable, either by uh, a beast or machine. So you just you have to keep that in mind. And it does affect the grass supply and the management of the farm. Saying that, if we look at just where the average figures are for this week for autumn uh, grassland management and the current grass supply, you see the average farm covers around 860. Realistically speaking, that needs to be closer to 1,000. The cover for livestock units is in the 270s. Realistically speaking, it needs to be over 300. The stocking rate is about 3.16. Um, that does raise one or two questions, the stocking rate. There probably are farms that have land to come back in the form of reseeds uh, in, into the grazing mix. And there is probably places which have been, um, you have late second cut or even third cut coming back into the mix and maybe not put into pasture base um, yet as land available so that might give some people a reprieve in terms of grass supply but as, as of today we are short the growth for this week or for last week is around 60 we expect the same around this week there thereabouts and demand is 50 which is fairly has been fairly consistent for the last week or two again that may change if more land comes in but the, the swing in growth versus demand is 10 kilos per hectare per day by by um, seven days in the week is 70 and that will boost grass supply, but I needed, I, I suppose, to reach the figures. If we are 860 and I need to get to 1,000, I'm short 140. I needed demand and growth to, to have a swing of 20, not 10. So while we will catch up if growth remains good for the week and demand remains the same, um, we will still be behind, right? Uh, the average level of meal being fed is two and a half kilos, but there's a fair bit of variation in that. Um, and the average amount of grass is about 15 and a half kilos. That's what people are targeting, which gives a total intake of 18. And given the current grazing conditions and the current dry matter of grass, I think we'd need all the, all of that intake. The so average free grazing yield is 18.40, which is roughly... Will you just elaborate on the, on, the, on the dry matter situation there, we'll say, in the last couple of years? Yeah, I suppose I have a slight... Uh, yeah, if, if you just bear with me, Stuart, I have a yeah. slight comment to that, I suppose. Um, but dry matters are running low. Stuart, you're right to say that. Um, we were 13 or 14, I suppose, in the last day or two where there was no rain. But prior to that, for the last two to three weeks, we've been running... 11s, 12s, at best 13%, which is about three or four units behind where we would normally would be. Um, I've never seen dry matters so low in August in my lifetime anyway. Um, we've had wet days in which dry matters have been low, and I accept that, but to be consistently low day in, day out is, is of concern, right? Uh, the pre-grazing yields is about where we want it to be, but we're just behind a bit on grass supply. 
Um, I'll come back to the matter in a minute, Stuart, just bear with me. Okay. Um, this is just a table that Michal has put together on um, where we are and we've, we've categorized them by stock and rate. So those around uh, um, you know, um, a livestock unit to the acre, cow to the acre, half of them on, on target, the average farm cover would need to be around 750-800, uh, and you'll see that by the numbers they are. Um, right. But when you go to higher stock and rates, three per hectare and, and, and over three per hectare, um, you can see that they're only around 8, 840, 880, and they need to be up around 1,000. So they're, they're the category that I suppose we have most concern about because they're so far behind. Um, you can see the growth figures are somewhere in the, in close to 60. Demand is closer to, I suppose, 45 or 50. But um, it's, it's not enough of a gap to catch up where we want to be. Right, and the average living meal there you see is around two kilos, and the average intake is around 18. Very quickly, to summarize it, uh, half the farms at low stock and rate or normal stock and rate, I suppose, probably probably better on the platform, um, are are on target. But when you go up to three and, and over three per hectare, about you know 80 90 percent are behind uh, target, right? So, and a good 150 kgs per hectare in farm cover behind. Uh, as I said, the current growth rate predictions and current demand predictions would close that gap a bit, but not enough. So we still have time to to, to fix this. We just have to be more proactive about it. These are the targets. I'm not going to spend too long on them. If we just go for the 1st of September, we need 300 uh, per cow on um, a stocking rate of 2.5 livestock units per hectare. When you see, when you go to 3 and 3.5, three and we need to be up close to 300 livestock units per hectare or a farm cover of almost 1,000. Interestingly, what I didn't put in the last slide, the rotation length is running about 26, 27 days. We need to be closer to 30. So that just indicates where we are in terms of grass supply. We are just not uh, where we want to be. We're a bit short. And John, I suppose okay. the, the, um, uh, the yeah. emphasis on the 30, just before you do move on, I think you might yeah, be sorry. talking about it after, but like... Yes, that that is a hundred acres divided by thirty. That's the area yes, it should be yeah, grazing. Like. Yes, it's, it's, the risk is that people say, "Asher, I'm, I'm looking back," and that's not the way you do the sum. It's a proportion to farm graze, Stuart, in terms of rotation length. Yes, so if if I have ninety acres, I need to be grazing three acres a day, right? Um, if I'm and not anymore, more, and if you're more, yes, going if, fast, if you're more, you're, like you're going, going you're, way too fast. Yes, you're going way too fast and you're going to eat into the cover and before you know it, your cover will decline. So you need to buy time. And often for people um, who are behind, we suggest to them that maybe the best way for this is for you is you set the farm at three acres a day if you're at 90 acres and you fill the gap with whatever, whether yeah. that's um, uh, meal, silage, some will be zero grass grass, but you just slow down, right? And that's why I say well, we still have time here if we can uh, make this work. I just want to make one qualification for those on heavy land. It's fine for me to say those targets. They're generally at, for people on drier land. Um, on heavier land, especially after all the rainfall we've had in August, we're entering into September, not in the best place in terms of saturation of the soil. And within, within each, each farm, there's going to be variation between dry paddocks and wet paddocks, even on, on heavy land. But the, the heavier farms or the heavier paddocks on the farms, they can't have high cover. We're starting off on the 1st of September with, with you know, with um, um, soils on many places, almost a saturation point if you look at the Metairn data. So we have to be careful. We need dry weather. But the secret here is not let the cover to build up. So on farms that are uniformly heavy, 
can't let the cat farm cover go beyond 900 to me. And, and that's the data we pick up from the heavy soils program. That's what they would tell us. Um, on the wetter paddocks on the farm in particular, that the cover can't go beyond 2000. And it's strange to say this, but on the heavier farms and, and particularly where the wetter paddocks are, you need to graze them more often and go to shorter rotation lengths to make sure the grass does not get away on you on those paddocks. Um, you get a dry spell of weather, in you go, irrespective of whether the cover is 1,000 or 1,800. You take that advantage of the dry weather and get those under control. And, of course, closing up begins on uh, earlier on heavier farms as well. Um, where we are behind, uh, some are able to induce reseeded areas back in to uh, increase grass supply and thereby lower the stocking rate and bring in more grass. Some places will have silage ground coming back, which is great. Some farmers are able to remove replacements, be it calves or heifers off the platform. Um, some will have to increase feed. Um, you know, the average level of meat feeding is two and a half kilos. Uh, certainly, if we could keep the growth uh, well above demand by 10 or 15 and then feed a small bit more, that would go a long way to rectifying the deficit that's there. Some will have to feed silage because they're so far behind, particularly at higher stocking rates. Not what they want to be doing, but what they should be doing. And some have the option of removing the culls or the knotting calf cows out of the system, and that will lower the stocking rate and increase grass supply as well. The reality is to me in this is that, you know, it's probably a combination of a few of these that will get you out of it rather than one silver bullet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so then there's just, the a just a question there, and, and I know you had a debate yes. with a group about this earlier in the week as well. You were saying if you're running behind target, is it worth removing the empty cows now? We'll say, in terms of, I suppose, the financial, obviously, from a grass point of view, if you take out, reduce the stocking rate, reduce the demand, and the growth stays where it is, it's, you're going to help build the grass. But from a financial point of view, the, the, the debate is always there. Is it the right thing to do to remove the empty yeah. cows? Yeah, and, 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 and you, 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 you know, you can you can uh, make economic cases for both arguments. Um, it depends on the price of the cows and how long you're keeping all those kind of things, right? And I've I've done this many times, and you could you could swing it both both directions because you are talking about the marginal side of things. However, what I would say when you get down to practicalities, if if I was short of feed, if I was short of feed space, if I was short of slurry storage, if I was in trouble with, uh, you know, nitrate derogation, if I didn't have help, um, right, all those things would, would suggest to you, yeah, these animals should go sooner rather than later. On the other hand, then if you had lots of help, lots of feed space, lots of feed, no problem with uh, um, environmental regulation or no problem with, with uh, adequacy of slurry storage, maybe you might entertain holding on these these animals, right? Um, however, I will come back to the fundamental thing. If you're if you're a small bit short on grass supply, I think there's other things we can do here, Stuart. If you are well short of grass supply for whatever reason going into the into the autumn, then it has to be really really looked at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So it's it's kind of a personal choice. Yeah. Uh, e economics are not massive in either way, but if the practicalities are wrong and you're well short of grass, then removing the cows and not in calf cows has to be one of the strategies. Yes. Okay. Okay. And actually, the trade for dairy stock is actually quite good. Excellent so, at the moment, yeah. Yeah, and people need to maybe capitalize on, on that, you know, and yeah. um, boost grass supply on the farm and make life easier, especially if you have other practical issues on the farm that are going to work against you with carrying these animals um, later on. So, Stuart, back to the question you asked about pasture quality, right? Um, in fairness to Brian McCarthy and his colleagues in Clonakilty, uh, they went and analyzed the grass thoroughly here in the last week or so. 
um, in terms of quality uh, parameters, right? And we have grass and grass only, and we have high nitrogen and low nitrogen, and we have clover as well. So just very, very quickly, if you look at the grass only, it just starts at the top line, 1600 of a cover. You must remember all these swards are relatively young. They are ryegrass, they are clean. You know, there's not a build up of dung pats or things like that. So clean ryegrass swards, the average DMD was 76 with, you know, the uh, normal level of nitrogen has been applied about 250 kilos of N per hectare for a year. So, you know, the normal level of nitrogen, I'll call it that, right? Um, it was 18% protein, 0.9, 0.96 UFL. And I suppose all those things broadly make sense to me from what I can see. The dry matter is the is the sting in the tail, Stuart, that you touched on earlier, 12.5%, that should be 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. So dry matters have been low and consistently are low to the Moore Park lab, lab, no doubt about that. Right, um, and you know, in fairness to uh, Michelle and her team, they um, issue out the figures as does Hall, and the drummers have been running low, no doubt about that. Right, so you with, with a combination of sometimes reasonable growth, but with also all the wet weather, you have low dry matters. Interesting, then, if you look at the clover, and in this study, without getting complex about it, we're trying to save 100 kilograms of N per hectare by using the clover. We have a similar pre grazing yield of about 1,500. Uh, clover is making up 11% of the dry matter contribution of the sward, but you can see straight away there's a boost in DMD by almost two units. The protein is higher, and that's what you'd expect with clover. The UFL is higher then by default uh, because of higher energy values uh, and higher DMDs. Um, we're 0.98. The, the swing, I suppose, is the clover by its nature is a lower dry matter plant. And you can see then there's a reduction in dry matter content by, by um, 3%. And if you, if you the potatoes, then you can see. Yeah, there's a question yeah, here then, sorry. John, relating to what you're alluding to there. At what pre grazing cover does the grass quality start to decline? So if your average farm cover is 1200 and your pre grazing has gone to 24, is it too high? Like. No, um, it, 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 yes, I accept as, as covers get higher, the risk of uh, sward deterioration is greater. Saying that, Stuart, as, as you know, right, I go into fields and there's 2,000 of a cover and they're green from head to toe, right? Equally, I can go into a paddock and because of whatever's happened, previous management and not being cleaned out in June or July, 1600 of a cover and the quality of it is, is uh, poor because there's a huge build up dung pats. It either hasn't been grazed out well or got caught with bad uh, grazing conditions or wasn't cut for, uh, for bales or topped or mowed or whatever the case may be and the quality of it is way poor. So yes, broadly as we go up in higher mass, the quality can deteriorate on you, but the, the previous management has a big role to play here now. So yeah. I've seen excellent 2200, head to toe, beautiful grass. And I've seen 1,600, and you'd love to take a more to it. So, right, you know, you you have both cases. But yes, I suppose, Stuart, the risk is uh, if we go to long rotations, high cover, and what I call canopy closure, and the weather has led to canopy closure, which means that the grass has leaned over on its side. It has closed over, so there's no wind, no air, no sunlight getting down, and the yellowing and the whiting of the base is starting to start uh, prematurely. And when you get that, then and the cows go down there, it's not as palatable. And then you get rejection. Um, and when you get rejection, then you don't graze outright. And then you have to face this again in October, probably maybe even late September, and again in, in November. And you're fighting this battle. If you don't clean it off in October, November, you'll face it again to it next spring. And as people will tell you, you could end up fighting this till next May or June. Right. Mm-hmm. So the importance of getting the swords cleaned out, is, uh, which I'm going to touch on in a minute, is, is key 
the weather condition makes that difficult. I think it brings back strip wires to me and most people are using them in, in different forms, but try and get the paddocks to clean out. Um, if you did a good job of cleaning the sward out in June and July, after the drought in many places, then you have a sporting chance of getting a, a reasonable clean out in the autumn. But with, with conditions at the moment, if you don't have a clean sward, the quality figures here, UFLs, will drop um, and the DMD will drop, right? And performance will be poorer. Yeah. So um, I suppose, look, I'm not going to dwell too long on this slide. It's obvious that the clover in the contribution to the sward is improving the DMD, improving the UFLs, improving the protein, but the dry matter content is lower, lower of the sward. And um, let's be clear, dry matter contents, irrespective of clover or not, are, have been lower than normal anyway. And that's posing its own challenge. Like at times, animals are discontent in the field, even though the sward quality is good, even though um, they uh, appear to be adequately fed. But on wet days, things can get difficult. One of the downsides of, of introducing silage or another form of forage is that uh, it can, uh, particularly where the cover is high and the quality of the pasture is poor, it can um, affect the ability or the appetite of the animal to graze out well. I think if you're feeding additional forage, if you have leafy grass from head to toe, from top to bottom, um, uh, the effect of feeding um, another forage is, is, is not as bad compared to trying to feed a forage and another forage um, and then trying to graze a sward of, I don't know, 1800 or 2000 and the quality of it poor because of sub previous management, you know? Yeah. So I will stress in this case, the swards are clean, they are medium cover, they are leafy from head to toe and they do have clover in them. And that's just, just to be clear about the quality side here. Okay. okay, so there's a good point here, I suppose, John, that um, we would have touched on before, but Connor Creedon is saying, does it, does it mean that all paddocks should get a run of the moor at some stage of, during the summer? <laughs> um, for, I suppose this is why we have grass 10 grazing courses and trying to get people to, do, to go into 1400 all the time. I'll start there. If you graze 1400 and consistently grazes and grazes outright, then there should be no need really for uh, uh, mowers or toppers, right? That's what we're trying to do because at 1400 of a cover, the sward should be green from top to bottom, right? Um, and grazing at 1400 of covers, right? The animals should be able to go in uh, and perform well and graze the sward down without any compromise in, in production. So it's win for the grass plant, win for the animal and win for you. Saying that, you know, I accept that this, the way the weather came in, in this summer period, particularly in May and June, led to additional stress in plants. There probably was more stemming. And at times, um, if you had surplus grass in the farm, the best thing to do was to uh, take that surplus out and uh, convert it into uh, round bale silage or silage um, and keep your pasture quality right. At times, though, there was probably a need for uh, a more along the way, more than seasons gone by. Um, I'm not a fan of topping or mowing um, grass that doesn't end up in silage simply because, as I've said before, Stuart, is waste and feed. I don't need to remind people that we've imported feed twice in the last 10 years. So when you are topping, you are wasting feed. Um, and I suppose that, that concerns me. But look, uh, the way the weather came there in June and May at times it led to a additional heading of the ryegrass plants and sometimes it had to be corrected by mechanical means. 
I'd, I would argue the way the weather's come now, Stuart, that there was a payoff for correcting well in June and July so that you don't have to uh, face poor pasture quality now. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I suppose Connor has a point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll move right. on. Boo. Right. Just, uh, you know, Michal has, and, and his team, Michal Leary and his team in Pasture Base, they put a lot of effort into making tools available to help with grassland management. That's what they're trying to do. This is just one tool for the autumn that I find very, very good. It's an autumn grass budget. If you go down to the menu on the left-hand side, you see the budget section and there's a fodder budget for the feed side of things and there's a grass budget for the grass side of things. Just as an example of a budget I did for a farmer this, with, with the farmer this week. Um, and you can see here that it, it just uh, has the hectares, the stock numbers, what intake we, we target. The, the, this farm was running behind, therefore the meal there in the last two weeks of August went up to try and catch up and cover and keep things on target, right? Um, and it runs right the way through through August, September, October, November. And look, this farm wants to end up with a farm cover on the 1st of December around 700. At the moment, they're running ahead. Um, you can see the target farm cover 695 at the bottom of the screen. But what the farmer will do, will use this to track where they are. And if they're behind, they act. And if they're ahead, they act in management, right? So obviously they're ahead, they can reduce the amount of meal being fed. Obviously if they're behind, they could bring in a bit of meal to, to boost things. And that's what happened here. This farm does have some heavy land on it. So the meal feeding was necessary to keep grass supply on track because growth dropped from um, the 60s into the 50s and 40s. Um, and I suppose that was of concern to him that that would keep going. So um, the meal feeding helped keep the animal performance good, but also helped build cover on the farm. And the budget will help you do that. Um, it's a trial and error process. It takes a while to, to learn how to use it. Some people do a worst case scenario and a best case scenario. They might do two or three budgets. I'm only asking for one, but it does help you highlight, you know, uh, where uh, trouble, deficits, surpluses may arise, and it, it allows you plan better, right? I think that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. So uh, this farm is going to peak in grass supply towards the early October, and um, that's the way the farm is uh, working towards. It's it's uh, above where they want to be at the moment. They want to be 1100, so they will act accordingly, like you know. All right, so I know when the weather is going to prove this weekend that the meal feeding is going to reduce on this farm, right? That's the plan to get the covers back on track. Yeah. Okay, there's a tool there. Um, okay, we're trained by numbers, Stuart. Some people like visuals. There's a visual here as well. You can see the green line here on the left-hand side. That's um, uh, the actual cover on the farm. The blue line is what's happening at the moment, and the red line was target. And the idea is to keep the, the green line as close as we can to the red line along the way. That's what you're trying to do. For those who like the visual assessment, this is this does that as well in that uh, grass budgeting tool that Michal and his team have created. Well, I suppose on, it's, it's useful, John, um, from the, the point of view yeah, the, of the, the numbers. Um, we'll say when you're lo- you can get blinded by the numbers early in you the can, yes, so yeah, it can be useful can. just to see what changes yeah, it's to uh, impact for you. Like. Yeah, it's, it's similar to the principle of the grass wedge. Some people, yeah. for, some people can manage numbers, um, some people for visuals. This is a picture of the grass supply um, uh, for the autumn. Uh, you're trying to keep close to the red line. That's, the, that's what you've set yourself out at. This farm, is its target is the 700 on the 1st of December. That's what they're aiming for. They are um, compact having herd and they need the grass in the spring and they're going to be stocks from Morocco treat per hectare overall. So they, they, they need grass in the spring. That's the aim of this. Um, and uh, this gives a, a visual picture of grass supply on the farm, similar to the wedge. Yeah. yeah. So... 
we have it's nice some people relate to numbers some people relate to pictures some people relate to both but for those who want pictures it, this is handy yes okay. handy. all right there are about 500 budgets created already which was uh, a big jump on last year it's great to see that um, um so on, on pasture base um we expect that number will climb which is good to see it just means that they're planning the autumn ahead in terms of grass. So it's good to see. Um, the other then piece of the, of the jigsaw to increase grass supply in the farm, and we are behind is to look at the whole nitrogen um, um, story. We have what, 10 days left, George, 12 days. Yeah. Spread fertilizer before the deadline closes. This is work done by um, uh, David Wall and Fox in, back in, 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 in 2018, but it's multiple years data, multiple sites, Cork, Loud, Mayo, across the country, I think it's three or four years data. The date now, just when you see August, September, October, it's the 1st of August, 1st of September, 1st of October. And look, in fairness to uh, the people who put this together, uh, Mark Plunkett and those, it's, it's clear that um, um, it's a traffic light system, right? And you can see where we are. So August responses are much better than October responses. And the October responses are in red. And they're in red for a good reason. So again, it's the 1st of August, 1st September, 1st of October. Right? And what they did here was they applied 30 kilograms of N per hectare, or about 23, 24 units. Right? Um, and to be clear about it, right, the response in August is good. Right? The response in October is poor. I'll start with October. If I just take the cost of fertilizer loan, I'm not going to, I'm not going to build in a charge now for the, the, the person's time, the contractor, the farmer, or the wear and tear of the tractor and machine. I'm not going to build in a cost, just the cost of fertilizer. Uh, right? And we know that grass, on average, is worth around seven and a half, uh, seven, seven and a half cent per kilo across the year. But there is seasonal variation. Right? And the, the, the this, these costings and grass are built into the pasture profit index and if people want to see those figures, you, you just look for the pasture profit index and it gives you those figures. But very quickly, while grass is worth seven, eight cents across the season, in the spring is worth 16 cents a kilo, in the summer it's worth about four, four and a half cents a kilo, and in the autumn it's worth 11 cents a kilo. And it's nothing got to do with milk price, beef price, or any other prices. It's, it's to do with input prices. So, and it's to do with cost of meal, cost of silage, cost of grass, right? So... Spring grass is worth the most. Um, autumn grass is worth a night, uh, um, still a considerable amount of money, 11 cents a kilo. And that's the figures we use here. But very, very quickly, um, if I just take the cost of fertilizer and I just take and protect the urea, right, at, at the current prices, and this, it's about 75 cents a kilo um, per kilo of nitrogen. And you do all the, the figures and the sums. And if somebody wants them, we can get through them there in a minute. But very quickly, uh, 10 is break even. That's where October, 1st of October break even if and i include then, the cost you said, in, yeah that's just the cost yeah, of the fertilizer, the fertilizer. now yeah. if i include a cost uh, charge for spreading and all that i'm up to um 14 or 15 cent right yeah so we are now early september you see the response there is around 19 20 kilos for the first september the further we go into september the 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 responses drop dramatically right you and can almost it, assume that it's linear, John, by looking at that. You, you graph, can, and, and like, which yeah. means then that if you just do very, very quickly that if we include a cost for the tractor and the frost fertilizer, and fertilizer not the, is not the dearest at the moment, to be clear yeah, about it, the break, the, break, the, the, break, the break even point is the middle of September. So the sooner we spread this fertilizer and get the response and try and get up um, the supply of grass on the farm, um, the better. That's what that tells me. Um, applying fertilizer, in, in, you know, with the weekend coming now and the, and the weather good, 
by forecast it's it's our last chance to try and boost grass supply on the farm and people should take advantage of it yeah. right now the, just to be clear the responses are based on 30 kilograms of n per hectare if i spread a little bit less you know i probably have a higher response uh, yeah if i spread more the response is going it's not going to be linear Stuart. i think it's fair to say that you yeah. know we're not going to get uh, the same we're not response. going to get more because we spread more no, like, yeah. no correct so i think around the 25 to 35 range of units per acre uh, there thereabouts is, is is as much as you do right um and what so the response rate is a, is a, a big factor in determining how much you spread but equally is the grass supply on the farm right at the same time we have to be very conscious of our own overall n allowance uh, on the farm and this will become more important in the future right so if grass supply is behind i can understand why you would look at spreading a bit more and given the response rates you see how much we can spread that makes it worthwhile saying that within the farm gate within the farm gate you're going to have variation across the country and there's parts of the country that are underwater and there's no point in spreading fertilizer there. I, I get that, right? Saying that within the farm gate, everybody can make their own decisions. Obviously, you want to get a better response on drier paddocks, earlier September application, reseeds, silage ground, you know, fresher grass, where I have more than one grazing left and where my soil pH is, um, is uh, you know, reasonably good. I'm going to get a letter, lesser response on wetter parts of the farm, wetter paddocks, where I go later in September, where the sward is older or where the ryegrass content is low, where I have only one grazing left and where my soil pH is compromised. So people can make those choices within the farm gate as well, right? So obviously if, if, you, have, if you have a reseed from last spring and you know it's going to respond better to nitrogen than an old non-ryegrass sward. And just think about that when you drive the tractor into the field maybe you should spread more on the reseed and spread less on the uh, you know on the older wetter paddock we call it that yeah. and if you, if you can't travel well then you don't go there at all right and unfortunately parts of the western seaboard i've seen farms that they're they're you know the paddocks are so poor in terms of grazing conditions and trafficability you 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 have to say that they probably shouldn't get fertilizer nitrogen at all because it'd be struggle to get one grazing out of them never mind say two yeah okay all right Look, Stuart, I'm, uh, I'm more or less there, unless you want to take um, um, some questions now. Yeah, um, just in terms of just what you said there, now we'll say where grass quality or grass quantity is high and um, the conditions are going very poor. What's the way to deal with it in the short term or in the longer term? Okay. I suppose if it dries sure. up, obviously, it's, it's, it can get at it uh, and yeah, you go sure. back to Look, spring management. Uh, but. Unfortunately, I've stood on farms um, in which there is a high grass cover on the wettest part of the farm. Um, um, it's gone well beyond grazing. It's gone off at the base, Stuart. Um, if, you know, and, and if I have a reasonable supply of grass on the farm and I have in excess, I will try and take that out with a more. Um, but I need, I need to have to travel now, right? And I, I hope the weather will improve in September. But, uh, you know, um, there may be patches you can graze, but that might be too bad. But if if we have adequate grass supply and we're on target, sorry, if we have plenty of grass and if we by taking out these paddocks with the mower, which is my preference to do in this situation, and can keep the farm on target, that's what I will do to correct it. Right? Okay. So um, the mower only comes in where I have excess grass in the system, Stuart. That's I suppose that's what I'm basically saying, and well excess. Right. Um, 
but uh, are, you I may, are you taking a chance that that's gone then for the rest of your John if you're going to more well in, in September, I, I suppose right? I, not completely right I, I I'll go through a scenario there was a farm the other day in which you know unfortunately parts of the farm has has been underwater waterlogged sturdy um, and I'm not going to graze out well covers very high Stuart so I'll go to the scenario which you hear mm-hmm. so we made a decision that when the weather improves we'll have a go at cutting it because it's we're not short of grass we're on target it is without that in the system it's surplus it's dirty right um when we cut it the recovery will be poor I don't deny that but and here's the big but whatever recovery will be in it maybe it'll be a thousand it'll never be high maybe it'll be 800 but it's easy to go in and clean it off. And that's the point. It's easy to go in and clean it off. You might get cows in there. You might get send in the calves. It's it's leafy. It's 800, 1,000, maybe it's 11, 1,200. That's as most it'll ever do. It'll never get a big high grass supply. It's lovely leafy and green. You wait for the wet spell, a spell of weather that comes as reasonable. You can, send in, you can send in the smaller animals if you want. They'll be able to graze it off pretty quickly. Um, even if there's four or 500 left behind, Stuart, it's still green to the base. It's clean. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you don't get it, get to clean it before the winter, it goes into the winter in a mess. It comes out of the winter in a mess and you will fight it all the way. Um, the other thing too is like if it has a low leafy cover, it helps dry out in the spring. Do you know when grass goes through the winter of a high cover, we've all seen this has all happened where you have a high cover going into winter, you don't get to graze it. comes out in the spring, there's canopy closure, wind can't get down, sun can't get down. The, the closure of the canopy of grass uh, traps in all the moisture and it's very very difficult to graze very very difficult to clean very very hard to get right okay so i i will introduce the more to clean off a paddock where i can um have adequate grass supply meet my targets um without having that paddock in the system particularly where it has been you know dirtied by um excess water or where the river has flown into in, in across the land and made it so dirty that it's unpalatable to the animals. But by cutting it very soon, leaves it manageable for the autumn and green going into the winter and green coming out of the winter. I accept that cutting takes takes the energy out of the sward. I don't deny that. But this may be, the, the uh, I suppose, the lesser of two evils, if that makes sense, Stuart. Okay, so I suppose, John, um, I'll get you to sum it up in terms of what people need to do. And obviously, as you said at the outset, it's very difficult to give generic advice now, but uh, we'll, we'll take we'll it. We'll try. We'll right. take it that so, we're behind target, though. So, yeah, um, we, are behind, we, are behind, we, we are behind target, and we have two weeks to fix it, Stuart. Yeah. Within reason. I don't know what the rest of September will come, but if we just go by norms, we have two weeks to fix it. Yeah, and the law of averages, we're looking at a, a growth exceeding demand for the next fortnight or so, and after that, then you're, you're not going to be able to gain it back. Like No, so, um, and the best options are, if you have more land coming in, great. If we have to feed more meal or silage, so be it. If we can get replacements off the farm to boost grass supply on the platform, good, right? And if we have the option to get rid of culls or empty cows or scans um, at reasonable money, which it is at the moment, then these are all options to boost grass supply on the farm. They all have to be looked at. The bigger the hole, the more they, have to, they all have to be looked at, right? Um, we just, we need to keep grass in the dice for as long as we can. It's the best uh, feed for the animals to keep the solids up. It's also the cheapest. And with, with that then it's worth about two euros per cow per day. So do quick numbers here, Stuart. 100 cows, 200 euros for every day of grass, 1500 for the week. Like you can't let you can't let that can't go. leave it behind you. Yeah, 
Right. The next, the next point then is like uh, we have uh, two weeks or ten days left of fertilizer. The sooner we act, the better. We be a much, be much more targeted because the weather we've had, um, you know, this parts of the farm will respond better than others, and we have to keep an eye on that and where we get our best response in fertilizer. And that's going to become more important in the future as well. So catch up on fertilizer try and uh, catch up on grass supply in the farm, right? Because generally we are behind um, and, and be aware of the variation within the farm and across the country. Okay. So um, we don't have any other questions coming in there. So thanks a million, John. You have to get on the, the road there quickly. So I'll I let do. you off. Thanks a million. And we'll right. talk to talk you again. To you. So thank right. you. Bye-bye. So uh, that's it for today, folks. Um, thanks very much for tuning in. Looking at the poll that I launched there at the start, it looks like we'll be going for a 10 o'clock start in the future. Uh, so we'll talk to you next week. Um, we're formalizing the content uh, just back from holidays there myself. So we're just formalizing the content for the next couple of weeks and that will be available on the website so that people can see what's coming up. Um, it's been a question that I've been asked a couple of times in the last few days. So uh, if you want to just log on to the website or just keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook and so forth, you'll see what's coming up next Thursday. We'll talk to you at 10 o'clock. Thanks to Patrick, thanks to John and thanks to Michal O'Leary who put the figures together for John as well. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Everybody take care in the meantime. Bye for now. That's all from this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and thanks for listening.